greetings, New Hope Church. Happy, blessed Easter to all of you. Let's give it up to a mighty, risen Savior, Jesus Christ, our great King. He is worthy of praise, is he not? Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. My name is Matthew, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I am delighted to be uh, here with you worshiping this great and glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus. And if you are part of our online community, Wherever you find yourself today, welcome to New Hope Church right here in the Minneapolis area. We are honored to be able to connect with you as well. And uh, listen, I know that in a gathering like this, we have a number of folks that may be guests here today. Perhaps this is your very first Sunday. I had folks come up after our last worship hour. This is my very first Sunday here. And uh, you are welcome here. We are so glad you're here. Can we just give it up for our guests that are with us today? If... If that is you, let me just highlight for you that right outside in the atrium, we have a new here uh, welcome area, and we've got some friends there that would love to answer any questions you have, uh, just help you be more comfortable. We really want you to know there's a space here for you, and we're delighted to be with you here today. Well, in just a moment, we're going to turn into this love letter called the Bible, and we're going to see our Lord meet us. And I absolutely believe he's going to meet some of you in a very unique and special way today. But I want to pray first, and I want you to join me. God of heaven, thank you for Jesus, your only begotten son and our savior. We honor him, we glorify him in our singing, in our gathering, in our time, in, in the Bible here as we seek to hear your heart for us. Through the power of the spirit, we ask that you would show yourself to us here now that Lord, you would let your face shine upon us and let that face shine more brightly even as these minutes unfold because we want to glorify Jesus and we want to know him better and we expect him to change us and to work in our lives in a new way. So make it so, you've got a word for us today, God. Make it so, help us to receive it. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our glorious King and all God's people said, amen, amen. So on December the 17th of 1927, December the 17th of 1927, the USS S-4, a submarine, sank off of the coast of Massachusetts. It went all the way down to the bottom of the sea. Within short order, Navy divers found the wreck and they made their way down to the sand sunk beneath the surface. And as they were going down, they heard this banging sound coming from the submarine. This banging sound, these survivors that were there in the front end of the sub, and they were banging away Morse code on the interior wall of the submarine. And as the Navy divers were deciphering what it is they were hearing, here is the question that they received, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Tragically, tragically, they were not able to rescue those submariners there in the bottom of the sea within that big tin can. The elements on the surface and the logistics to try to reach it were such that it was nigh to impossible to rescue those Navy sailors. 
Tragic as that is, though, hear me, hear me, that question. The question, is there any hope? That question captured the attention of the entire nation. And why not? Because clanging within the walls, the interior walls of every soul, of every woman and every man, and even little boys and girls, is that same question. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? It is a question for the ages, a question for time. Hear me now, church. It is a question regarding public pain. And so it is when you and I sound out the names of little boys and girls who have lost their lives because of guns in an elementary school, we ask ourselves, is there any hope? It is a question about public pain. So it is when we take in the carnage of war ranging from Yemen to Syria to Ukraine to Myanmar, we ask ourselves, is there any hope? It is a question of public pain so when it is that we are recollecting the continued bigotry against women and minorities in this society, we ask ourselves, is there any hope? It is a question about public pain. So when we look at the landscape, the political landscape of our day, and we see the personalities that walk across it, too easily we ask, is there any hope? But hear me now, friends. This question isn't just about public pain, but also private pain. Personal, intimate, private pain that no one else even knows about. And so it is when we sound out the names one by one of the prodigals in our lives. The sons and daughters, the brothers and sisters, the husbands and wives. We ask, is there any hope? This question relates to private pain. And so it is, we see the carnage brought on by the calamities of mental or physical health and the crises, the, the traumas, the challenges that that presents to so many households even, even to us, our own families, or our own very lives, and we say, is there any hope? And it is a question for private pain in that we step into some space hoping to flourish only to discover yet again we're being marginalized and forgotten and pushed to the sidelines because of the way the world works. And so it is with exasperation we throw up our hands and we say, is there any hope? But hear me now, church, hear me now, guests, underneath all of these things is a more prevailing private pain, and it is sin and brokenness and shame and fear. And we look in the mirror late at night, and we lay our heads on our pillows, sleepless through the watches of the morning hours, dreading the alarm clocks ringing. And as we lay there, or as we look, we think, I am broken, I am sinful, I am a mess. Is there any hope? 
This is a question for the ages. It's a question for the ages. And you know what this question does? This question forces our throats to get choked up. And this question forces tears into our eyes. Now some of us, we're quite, we're quite adept at just crying at any given moment. I'm, you count me in as one of those. But others of us, we're much more guarded, much more cautious. We hold back. And it's only in the private moments when we sit down in the car nobody else is around. And for once we have silence and we lose it. Or maybe it is as we're on a walk in the neighborhood when the snows have melted and the sun is shining and finally for just a little stretch, we are isolated enough to let the tears flow. But all of us have them. Do not tell me otherwise. And when we think about all the individual reasons that we would ask, is there any hope? That alone should make us cry. But then when we put them all together and we think about the totality of our own lives and of the human existence and we look at all of the challenge, we go, is there any hope, Lord? Anything. You got anything for us? These tears matter. Hear me now. Tears are the echo of souls crying out for hope. Tears are the echoes of souls crying out for hope. American literary giant Washington Irving puts forward this witness to tears. You'll see it in front of you here. Look at it with me. There is a sacredness in tears. They are not the mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are messengers of overwhelming grief, of deep contrition and unspeakable love. That is what tears are for. That's what tears are about. There was a woman named Mary. There was a woman named Mary and she was from a fishing village called Magdala. And it's on the western shores of the Sea of Galilee. And Mary is a woman whose tears begged the question, is there any hope? She was reared in a world where nationalism and spiritual and social oppression dominated everything. It was common for Mary, because she was a woman, to be metaphorically pushed to the sidelines, pushed to the margins. Her voice did not matter in that culture. According to the histories of this woman from Magdala, she, at one point in her life, had multiple demons within her, literally. Hers must have been an existence of incredible pain and trauma and fear and isolation. And some of you understand dynamics like that. And you're feeling it even today. No wonder the tears for which she was known. But church, hear me. Then one day came a man then one day came a man, and he somehow was able to both transcend her trauma and engage it tenderly at the same time. We 
with authority and power, he drove out those demons, those devils, casting them far away. With vision, he spoke of a day when thuggery and marginalization would no longer exist. And with certitude, confidence, conviction, he told of sins forgiven, of shame being no more, and of fear disappearing for good. And his name was Jesus. And he showed up on the scene humble and in power. And those who paid any attention to this Jesus, they recognized, they recognized that he is the promised Messiah, that prophet, priest, and king chosen and anointed by God to redeem sinners like you and me and Mary and a whole world of others and to wipe away every tear and to make all things new. Hear me now, this Jesus is the personification of hope, the embodiment of all that is hopeful. But then, but then came a certain evening. Jesus was betrayed by a friend. This, this sinless Jesus was betrayed by a friend. Imagine that. He was arrested by the authorities. He was convicted in a farcical court by a bunch of religious power mongers. He was tortured, crucified, killed, dead on a Roman cross, his blood shed his body broken. Later he was placed in a stranger's grave. And for all who had believed that in him was hope to be found, that's all gone because of a shocking death. And as if that's not bad enough, on the third dawn from the hanging on Calvary's tree, it was reported that his body has been removed from the tomb. Evidently, someone has come along and taken it. Nothing sacred, right? Even a tomb is empty. Is there any hope? No small wonder that this Mary from Magdala is, is standing there in the cemetery in front of this empty tomb, weeping uncontrollably. She cannot contain herself. And according to a history written by a man named John Barzebedee, in the New Testament account that bears his name, the Gospel of John, we find this moment unfold in that cemetery. Just listen 
as I read from John chapter 20. Verse 11 and following, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Where is he? Where is he? Because in him was my hope, and now he's gone. And he was her hope. Hear me, friends, listen to my voice. He was her hope. After all, this Jesus is the one that spoke vision and power and authority. He spoke hope, such as according to John chapter 14 when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And then when he adds later in that passage, he says, my peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Not only did he speak big, talk big, but he acted big. He did big things, tangible things, life-altering things. Like that moment in a different cemetery at a different point in time. When the door to the cemetery grave is opened and the awful aroma of death is wafting across the landscape. And he looks right into the darkness of that opening and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the man comes out alive. Because he's got power, this Jesus. He's got power. That's hope. And not only does he speak big and talk big, but he speaks truth to power. He calls out injustice. He calls out unrighteousness. He casts a vision for a better day. And so it is he would stand there within the temple precincts with all of the religious leaders wafting around in all their glory and he with cords in his hand turned into a whip would start to turn the tables over and birds and lambs start to scatter and people start to shriek and he yells out this is my father's house this is a house of prayer not to be a den of thieves no wonder he was the embodiment of hope and Mary hoped in him but now, in the midst of her tears, oh, if only, hear me now, friends, if only in the midst of those tears she remembered still another word from this Jesus. Another word found in the gospel according to a man named Mark, this historian. And here's what he writes. Jesus and the disciples were on the road going up to Jerusalem. 
and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the 12 disciples again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, see, we're going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, referring to himself, Jesus did, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, but after three days he will rise. That's the word. That's the word. And so, oh, hear me. If only in the midst of her tears she would remember. But so let us go back to that cemetery where before the empty grave she cries and her tears ask if there's any hope. Let's go back to that cemetery for the rest of the story that John Barzebedee shares in the 20th chapter of his great work. She's just interacted with those strangers in the tomb, one on each side, emulating, by the way, the cherubim on each side of the atonement cover and the Ark of the Covenant, but that's for a whole other story. Here she is now interacting with these. Notice, by the way, the very first word ever spoken in that empty tomb was the word woman. Talk about dignifying somebody the culture forgets. Verse 14, having interacted with them, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know it was him. Oh, I would imagine the tears are so great. And that, you know, that crusty sensation that gathers around the eyes that kind of blinds you when you're weeping. She, she sees there's somebody there, but she doesn't know exactly who it is. But then verse 15, Jesus said to her, notice again the very first word ever uttered out of the resurrected Lord's mouth. Ladies, pay attention just so you know. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? It is as if, it is as if he says to her, child, your tears matter. Your grief is real. Your hope has vanquished and your fear is great. But, child, I'm here. I am risen. I am alive. And I make everything new. Church, do you believe that? And can you believe it for yourself? Because just as that would be the intent of his words and his gaze and his outstretched hands to this dear friend of his, so it is, listen to me, all of you, 
so it is. His gaze, his voice, his outstretched hand to you. No matter what brings you into this moment, in this space, or whether you're in your living room or, or traveling right now, whatever your story is, in this moment, listen to me now. He says to you, he says to you, to you, your tears matter. And your grief is real. And your hope has been vanquished by sin and brokenness, by the public pains and the private pains. And your soul, your soul is banging loudly, is there any hope? And your fear is great, but child, can you see him looking at you? But child, can you hear him talking to you right now? But child, I'm here. I am risen. I am alive. And I am making all things new in you. You. I have that power. I have that authority as resurrected king. That's who I am. And I'm here for you right now. See, friends, the resurrection changes everything. And hope is restored. The triumphant song, the triumphant song goes like this. Look with me here. One final breath he gave as heaven looked away. The Son of God was laid in darkness, a battle in the grave. The war on death was raged, the power of hell forever broken. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter five, verse eight says it clearly. God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's crucifixion. But that triumphant song continues. Look with me here. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. The perfect love, his perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. And no small wonder the apostle Peter who was a witness to all of these things and more pens these words. First Peter chapter one, verse three, listen to them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born, notice these words, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Is there any hope? Church, the answer is yes indeed. Can we give it up for this king? Yes it is. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
from the dead. And as a result, the psalmist prophesied, oh, hundreds of years earlier, the psalmist said, weeping will tarry in the night. Oh, but joy comes in the morning, resurrection morning. Joy comes our way, friends. There is true hope because there is a risen Lord and his name is Jesus Christ. And his resurrection means that sin and death and the devil and everything else that would threaten our hope, including your brokenness and mine, your shame and mine, your filth and mine, your fear and mine, your condemnation and mine, all of it, none of it has the final word because Jesus is alive. And because that is so, dear ones, oh, the devil defeated. The devil defeated. Sins forgiven. Death overcome. Hope for all who believe. What of you? What of you? Would you stand with me? So in this moment, God, there are those listening who need a savior. Every one of us, but some have never called on this Jesus. In your mercy, nearly every week for months, we've had at least one become born again during our worship gatherings here at New Hope Church. Just, just again this past weekend. And there's a man in here, or listening. There's a woman listening right now. There's a little boy or little girl listening right now and now's the time, now's the time for him or her to recognize that when asking is there any hope, Jesus is his answer. Jesus is her answer. Now's the time. Right now is the time to, in all authenticity, to say I am broken and I am weary. I am grieved and I'm afraid. I'm a sinner and I have no hope. And today, today, today I want something different. Today I want to be made new. Today is the day I want to cry out and say, with acknowledgement, I am that sinner. And with belief, I understand Jesus is the answer to my sin. He's God's provision for my salvation. And so it is I call out to him, I confess to him, I cry out and say, I believe in faith, O oh God of heaven. I take this Jesus and I am washed in his blood and I am cleansed of my sin and I am made new. And instead of my soul 
constantly ringing, is there any hope? Now it rings, weeping may tarry, but joy has come. In Christ, I'm alive forevermore. Praise God, praise God, praise God.